Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host Conor O'Neill and joined this afternoon by Joe Thomas and I think making his Royal Blue debut. Is that correct, Matt? I think so, yeah. I think that's probably the yeah. first time I've been on, yeah. We, we also have Matt Jones with us to look back on Everton's 0-0 draw with Fulham at the weekend and what came of that. Joe, yourself and me were at Craven Cottage on Saturday evening as the Blues were held to a goalless draw by Marco Silva's side. It was a pretty open and I think even first half in which both sides had chances. However, the second half, the Blues had to dig deep to ensure they can away from the capital with a point. And in no small terms, thanks to Joe and Pickford's heroics between the sticks for the Blues. But Joe, firstly, just to start with, what were your thoughts on the performance and, and you know, the tactical setup and, and just the general feeling as you were leaving Craven Cottage on Saturday night? I mean, general feeling as I was leaving Craven Cottage was that's a useful point. You know, it wasn't the best performance that we've seen under Everton, um, under Frank Lampard. And I think the you know, the consensus is pretty much that you know, they faded a little bit disappointingly in the second half, first half. I really enjoyed the first half. You know, there was an intensity to the game and it was end to end. And albeit Fulham probably created more chances than Everton did. I mean, Everton still did create chances, something that they hadn't done in the previous 180 minutes away from home. So, you know, you obviously had Damari Gray, you know, testing Burnt Leno early doors. And then you had what was probably the best chance of the game, really, when Damari Gray crossed to, to Dominic Calvert-Lew and he couldn't quite get, you know, a, a, a proper foot on it. And you had Anthony Gordon running in the back post. So very early on, it just felt like a completely different game to Newcastle, completely different game to Tottenham Hotspur, where Everton really struggled to create chances, really kind of stodgy performances that were difficult to watch, although... You know, in fairness to Tottenham, they, they they had those two chances that they put over and really should have. The tactics were right at Tottenham; they just didn't execute them properly. Newcastle was just a day to forget. Fulham was an entertaining first half, but Everton set up okay and caused uh, Fulham problems. But obviously, in the same respect, Fulham created their own chances, and it you know it was two wonderful saves from Jordan Pickford, first from Willie and then from Mitrovic, that allowed Everton to maintain a foothold in a game. Um, but really, I think. Whilst I was pleased with the point, my overriding thought coming out of the game was how on earth did Alexander Mitrovic stay on the pitch and what could that have done? You know, I think it was a useful point for Everton. Lots of people have said it. Jordan Pickford's the latest one that I've heard say it. You know, that's a point that Everton wouldn't have got last season. And, you know, we need to be measured in how we kind of, you know, measure the progress that they're making. They're not going to go from just missing out on relegation to Europe straight away. It's going to be a slow, gradual build and that's going to require patience and patience with having to go to newly promoted sides and, you know, what go a point isn't a bad result. Obviously, the end of Frank Lampard's project sees us going to places like Fulham and wanting to win and expecting to win. We're not there yet. Point wasn't a bad result, but it could have been so more, it could have been so much more, one with slightly better performance, but two, if Mitrovic had seen red, which surely, surely everybody listening to this must agree. I mean, obviously they've all got blue coloured spectacles on, so I'm sure we, we all agree on this, but... I just don't understand how that wasn't a red card. And the game chase, it changes completely, doesn't it? The big danger man's gone. The big threat's gone. He's had 10 shots, or, albeit he didn't score. 
absolutely different game. And you know, I'm confident Everton could have certainly put a lot more pressure on Fulham in that second half. They played against 10 men. Well, we are going to go into the AR and the whole <laughs> shambles of Saturday. We are not going to avoid the issue. But Matt, just going back on what Joe said there in terms of it was a useful point for Everton. I think that's the best way to describe Saturday, wasn't it? It was a, a game they probably would have lost this time last year. It's a point more on the board and they just move ahead and, and look ahead to Leicester now this weekend. Yeah, 100%, mate. It's a, it was a classic case of Ben, but don't break, I think, wasn't it, from, from the players? And I think it's, it was a performance that we've seen a few times this year. You know, I think back to, to games against Brentford, maybe hung on a little bit more so there with them hitting the woodwork maybe three or four times. Leeds with Everton were probably a little bit better. It was a bit more of an even game. But again, there were spells where they were under pressure. But again, they didn't buckle, they dug in, they got the goal and they hung on. Um, obviously, Saturday was a little bit different, but I think those same sort of core principles were running through there compared to what we saw at times last season. And I think I think when you're in the midst of a season and when you're talking about a, a result and a performance like this, I think, you know, it, to make yourself sort of feel better about it, you can revert to that that line of, you know, that is a game we would have lost last season. But I think it does ring true with this Everton team. And I think it's, it's one of them where we've got to try and put into context where this side was a few months ago in the sense that the took 39 points from a Premier League season. They stayed up by the skin of the teeth. They're not going to go to, to places against the team and they're seventh in the league and scoring loads of goals and you know playing them off the park. It's just simply not going to happen. Um, we're going to have to dig in. There's going to be some hard times coming over the next few weeks even in regards to the way in which we're playing away from home. So, so yeah, I think it was always going to be a tricky game at the weekend. Um, we were always going to concede some chances. Mitrovic was always going to cause us problems, but yeah bend but don't break and, and dig in and show heart and that is ultimately what this team have been able to do so far this season and you know if you can draw these games you can keep ticking along I think it must make everybody just feel a whole lot better at Finch Farm and, and in, in training throughout the week you know I, I think back to, to last season to under Rafael Benitez and he's, he's been in the news again today hasn't he talking about how uh, we're all he's I don't know if we'll get onto them later, but it, I think you know that that stat about Benitez is often tr trotted out when he's reflected on, isn't he? That he won one in his last thirteen, but I think probably just as parents is that we lost nine of thirteen. Mm. But I think when you're losing game after game after game, it must be so demoralising for the players, and it becomes so easy to kind of fall into that that downward spiral and you know be engulfed by the misery. It's a whole lot different when you're drawing. So while a nil-nil draw, while a point away at Fulham is not necessarily spectac spectacular. I think it is a step up from what we saw last season and it just, just keeps you ticking along a little bit like you and Joe have both said. Joe, the big talking point from the game arrived in the first half when Alexander Mitrovic, I'd say tackled Idrissa Garnagay, I think that's been too kind to the, the Serbian forward. It happened kind of right in front of us, well, in the halfway, just beside the halfway line. As soon as it happened, me and you looked each other in the press box and thought that looked a little bit risky. We both saw replays and thought that was a red card. VAR disagreed. It was checked, but you know there was a, a, a valuable reason as to why it, it wasn't Ariel card wasn't overturned into a red. Again, this was another VAR call that went against the Blues and Frank Lampard, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You can understand the frustration afterwards. As soon as it happened, we were in the press box and we were, I mean, obviously, we said to ourselves, but it was a red, red Everton staff actually sat next to us and all of us were just waiting for the waiting for the VAR thing to come up on the screen and say that you know it's going to be overturn or, or at least be looked at and as soon as it wasn't you know we're both on the blower to Stockley Park to say what the hell's going on here I think I saw someone yesterday had put a collection of screen grabs together and I think they had Mitrovic on um, Idrissa Gay at the weekend they had the screen grab of Van Dyke going in on, on Onana 
Um, Jordan A.U. going on on Anthony Gordon back in the last season. And then they had the Allen one against Newcastle. And it was a, it was a case of guess which, guess which one actually got the red card. Mm. And obviously we all know it was it was Allen for that tackle, which wasn't dangerous at all in the closing stages of the game at Goodison Park at the back end of the last season before Iwobi scored so memorably. And, you know, I, I, I just can't fathom why. And it does seem to keep happening to Everton. You know, it's even if you say you'd be generous if you were saying these were all 50-50 calls. But even if they were 50-50 calls, the balance of probabilities would suggest that at least one of them would have gone Everton's way by now. And, and none of them. And I just, I just don't understand it. Cause I think that, you know, Everton, and it's a point that we're laboring at the minute and I, and we wouldn't be laboring it if we didn't have belief in it. Everton are making progress this season. You know, I believe that saying that even as they lost the three games on the bounce, but the reality is they're not making progress at such a quick rate that they can afford to, they can afford to lose out on big decisions like that. They need a help. You know, they need a hand. They need the odd decision to go their way. And they're just not, people might be saying, oh, well, they got the VAR decision for the Anthony Gordon goal against West Ham, uh, against Crystal Palace. And we thought, I mean, that was a shocking decision that that got disallowed in the first place. Anyway, it was a yard and a half on the side. It was crazy. You know, so I don't know. I, I, like, I, you, did, did you know, we know that Mitrovic has got a bit of bite in him. Did he mean it? I don't know, but it's not really relevant, is it? And, you know, it's, they come back and they said, oh, it's about intensity and the distance between the two players as he made the tackle and things like that. So as a result, it probably wasn't as as dangerous as, as it could have been. But, you know, what on earth's got to happen for some of like that to be a red card? I mean, we say it's only a red card if Idrissa Gay breaks his leg. The referee's got a duty, the officials have got a duty to protect the players. Part of protecting players says, you know what, OK, everybody might have got away with that. Idrissa Gay didn't get seriously injured off the back of it. We can't all of a sudden set a standard whereby that type of tackle is allowed, that type of contact is allowed, because the next player might not be quite so lucky. You know, I think, you know, at what point is VAR going to offer a bit more protection to Everton players? Because at the minute it seems to be offering none. And it sounds that, it sounds like, you know, an outsider listening to this and listening to Everton fans, what's going, they're always moaning about these decisions, but I just can't for the life of me figure out what on earth is going on with these. As I say, you know, I, I, I think these are all more than 50-50s in Everton favours and, and the you know, even then, none of them have gone in Everton's favour. It's just absolutely ludicrous, and it would, you know, it would change the complexion of that game. And if Everton got three points rather than one point, again, table looks a little bit different. There are only so many opportunities before we go for the World Cup break to uh, to pick up points, and you know, it take a lot more of the pressure off. You know, all of a sudden, then they win on Saturday, then Leicester becomes a game where it's well, a win would be great, but a draw isn't such a bad result. And you know, now the way things flip, obviously, everybody hoping for a win at home to Leicester to. You know, again, just to make that World Cup break that little bit easier with a few more points on the board. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Matt, I think the only surprising thing for Everton on Saturday was that Mitrovic didn't score the winning goal. What <laughs> 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 slapping is it when it comes to Everton? But going back to Joel's point there in terms of, you know, the decisions that go against Everton and the moaning, when you look at it in the cold light of day and you look at the decisions that have gone against Everton and the ones that they've been on the receiving end of, it all adds up to, to why fans are right to moan, isn't it? Because the inconsistency of VAR and you know the way we see it used and interpreted, 
just seems to differ depending on what way the, the foul is actually going to be given. Yeah, you know, Joe was saying there that you two are straight on the blower to Stockley Park. It's probably just you know, divert your course, don't they now? They're probably sick of hearing from you <laughs> after the amount of decisions that have gone against Everton. Really Joe's always been blocked. Yeah, I was going to say, you're probably one step away from being blocked. Uh, le- left on blue ticks on WhatsApp, I reckon, every time you send them a message. But no, it's, you know, it was, you know, obviously you two were there, but watching it on, on the broadcast at the weekend, it was one of them where it was, it was a bit of a case of like, am I seeing something a bit different here? Because... I think the, the commentators were sort of saying that, you know, it's a rash tackle, but it's not wherever you have a, a red card, the, the referee's got it right. And I sort of looked at it myself and thought, he's, he's put six studs into a Drissagay's shin there, you know, half well, mm. between his, his ankle and his shin. And then you sort of go on Twitter to sort of check that what you're seeing is, is what everybody else is seeing as well. And you're thinking, yeah, this, this should be a, a red card. And then you see it on Match of the Day again later that night, and, and they're saying sort of similar things, you know, I think, Alan Shearney and Wright were very non-committal on it in regards to what they thought. But, you know, Joe mentioned that that sort of montage of pictures that was put together there. It was done by um, Jim Keegan, who's you know, a writer as well. And you sort of look at that, if, you know, there is the Alan one on that one looks like the the least dangerous tackle on there. And I think that's the thing, isn't it, with, with the consistency? It's, it's that That's all you want. You want to see those sorts of tackles either being yellow carded or red, or, or red cards. And I think ultimately... You look at the, the two that stand out for me this season are the one at the weekend and, and the one from, from Van Dijk on, on Anana. They they are high challenges. The ball is not in the frame on a lot of the, of the shots. And you know, I saw Dermot Gallagher this morning saying that Mitrovic is clearly going for the ball, etc. etc. That shouldn't matter in that case. Mm-hmm. If, if you if you plant six studs into a lad's leg while it's on the floor and the ball is two or three meters away from you when you've done it, it is dangerous play. It is endangering the opposition player. You know, at, at one point, I thought Adrissa Gay was going to go off. He had quite lengthy treatment, didn't he, as well? So it, it's clearly hurt him. And yeah, it, it was just a, a mad decision. The explanation doesn't really seem to make a lot, a lot of sense from my point of view either. That there was sort of given by Dermot Gallagher this morning and, and by, by the Premier League over the weekend. But but listen, you know, it's I, I don't know. If Frank Lampard comes out after the game and goes berserk, you'll probably get a fine. I think he sort of alluded that to himself, didn't he, after the game at the weekend. If he comes out and says nothing, Fans are going to be saying, well, why isn't Frank kicking off a little bit more about this sort of thing? So it's just one of them. Really, you can't really win, can you? So, yeah, just you just sort of hope that these decisions will start getting, you know, going in our favour. Although I will say, this at the weekend, I thought we were quite lucky not to concede a penalty in the second half, just to, to even it up a little bit and take those blue tinted specs off. But not getting a penalty awarded against you and not getting dangerous tackles punished properly against you are two very different things because... I think in another season, in another world, Amadou Anana and Adrissa Gay could both be looking at lengthy layoffs there because they are two pretty poor tackles on both of them. That that's the thing, Joe, isn't it? I think you know we always see you know, sometimes it even itself out in football, but it's the context in which these decisions are being made, aren't they? Because these aren't kinds of penalties, handballs, contentious decisions. These are blatantly obvious, you know, dangerous foul play. You know, it's not. You know, what that's lose today in terms of an on Van Dyke and obviously Mitch Richard the weekend. These aren't 50 50 calls that you know you could see either way. These are tackles that you genuinely see every week being given as red cards. There's no consistency there in terms of what we're seeing in terms of what is Dean foul play against Everton and what is Dean foul play for Everton. Yeah, I, I just I just think it's it's a red card. And I just can't understand why it wasn't. I, I agree with Matt. I mean, I haven't seen that many replays of the of the Willian incident, but yeah, my initial reaction was for it was a penalty. But I kind of 
I, I place that in the category of the you know there's the separate cap it, it feel like it feels like it's far more sub, subjective with penalties mm. because you know, it's where's the contact when's it made and things like that is you already going down first and you know we've seen that already and again i mean Everton have been on the opposite side of a lot of those decisions recently you look at you know the harry kane one at tottenham hotspur could easily have not been given uh, similarly, the Anthony Gordon one at Newcastle could have been given. Obviously, both of those weren't given in Everton's favour. So I kind of put that in that loose, big grey area of, you know, sometimes those things happen and you know, it almost isn't a right decision. You know, you can kind of almost allow, use a cricketing analogy, that umpire's call in those where there's a margin for error and you just go with what the on-the-pitch referee says. Again, we have similar to what Matt says with, with the red cards, with especially with Van Dijk, especially with Mitrovic especially with Jordan AU uh, um, last season. I just don't understand it. As I say, you know, the officials have a duty to try and protect players. And I just don't know what type of message that sends if if those type of tackles are going effectively unpunished. It, it just it, it just seems it seems ludicrous to me. And I think that, uh, you, know, you know, you mentioned about Frank Lampard. I mean, it was clear that Frank Lampard was having to bite his lip when when he was asked ahead of the Fulham game about the, um, the FA charge for... Everton play Everton failing to keep um, control of their players in the Crystal Palace match. And you looked at that and you thought, you know, crikey. I mean, I know there's a lot of pushing and throwing in, uh, in that, but you look at that incident against Crystal Palace, it was sparked by a bad late tackle by Mark Wahey on Dominic Calvert-Lewin. A bad elbow that Zaha was lucky to get away with off the ball and Anthony Gordon. And then a melee that ensued in which, you know, the, the aftermath was three Palace players got booked and only James Tarkovsky for Everton. And you look at that and you're thinking... Yeah, how are Everton getting done over here? I mean, you know, I've got a horrible feeling that if we're not already, then by the end of the season, we're going to start sounding like conspiracy theorists. But you know, it just, you know, I, it just it's some of the some of the charges, some of the decisions that are going against them, and the way they're clocking them up. I mean, hopefully, back, hopefully, the second half of this season, we come back from from the World Cup and. Um, and just get a glut of these in their favour and help them put you know put together a charge towards Europe or something like that. But somehow I don't think it's going to happen. Matt, in, in terms of you know the, the decisions and, and what we've seen so far, you know I spoke to Michael Ball earlier for his Echo column tomorrow, and he made the point in terms of you know when it comes to the big six and these big you know kinds of Super Sunday games, referees you know seem scared to make the big calls that could become controversial yet when it involves Everton and not just Everton but clubs lower down certainly you know the, the table they have no hesitation doing so and it brings us back to that thing of there is, is there a big six bias in the Premier League because when you see stuff like we've seen over the weekend you know you look at for instance Everton being charged for failing to control the players but yeah a manager across the park already gets a fine despite you know shouting and, and doing a lot of other things to a, to a match official it does bring that into the context isn't it of you know, the lesser clubs do get treated more harsh than these the so-called big clubs. Yeah, and Fulham are top seven, aren't they? So maybe there's a bit of bias towards towards them now well, as well. They're on the brink of it, so... Yeah, them doing so well. But no, I, I think, you know, I've listened to this podcast before, and I think Gav Buckland's made this point, hasn't he, that when, when there's huge decisions that impact teams that are going for something, be it, you know, a Premier League title or the Champions League, there is maybe that extra hesitancy, which you could maybe apply to stuff like the Van Dyke one, you know, early in the season, you know, sending off a player of that of that status for a team like Liverpool in a game like that mm-hmm. is a huge decision to make. If, if you make that decision as the VAR or as the referee, you, it's going to send shockwaves around the world. And maybe there is a bit of that that, that comes into it. But I, I, I don't know, for, for me, it just sort of, it, it comes back to the officials just, just not being quite good enough. And for the match official on the pitch and the, the officials at Stockley Park not 
necessarily being on the same page and perhaps there's maybe a bit too much backslapping going on there. I don't know. It's just, it's just, you just look at the lady decisions that we've had against us, you know, going back to some of the ones that, you know, Joe mentioned there, then, you know, that, that's Jordan Ayew one in that, in that game against Crystal Palace. The fact that he, you know, goes in two-footed on Anthony Gordon's knee, then scores the goal to put them that two nil up. You know, that 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 could have been someone that relegated Everton at the end of yeah. the day. In, in the game before, Richards and nearly has the share yanked off his back, and then they go down the other end and, and get Brankway sent off. That could have potentially cost us as well. And, and you're right, if if this is going to even itself out, then Everton could potentially be going for the title by by the end of the campaign. But you know, you've got to subscribe to one of two things, haven't they? It's either incompetent refereeing or it's Corruption. It's not corruption, but I just think it's 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 incompetent refereeing. And Everton have unfortunately been on the brunt of it for a long time. Here's hoping it turns around. Joel, I think if VAR was at a shambolic best on Saturday, then Jordan Pickford was at his brilliant best as he made you know, certainly three saves in quick succession to, to keep Fulham out. And it was again, it was a kind of a performance in which Jordan Pickford showed why his England's number one. Showed why Frank Lampard and everyone at Everton Football Club, including supporters, loves him so much. And it was almost a case of redemption for him, wasn't it? Because given the last trip to the capital, in which he you know, made the mistake that led to a Harry Kane penalty, that the kind of jibes that come after that were kind of rammed back down and pundits' throat. Yeah, it's not even a debate, I don't think. I, I, I struggle to see how. Yeah, I think people are trying to manufacture a debate about who should be England's number one because. You know, everything suggests form, ability, the experience. It can only be Jordan Pickford, and he showed that again on on Saturday. You know, in different types of save as well. I mean, the reflex save, not just not just the, the reflex, but but the strength to push that William shot under, um, over the bar, which is phenomenal. You know, shared on Twitter an image from behind the goal of that save um, yesterday, and and you know, it really it really was a stunning one. I don't think William could believe he kept that out. Then you had the flying save to Mitrovic's header and obviously the punch from Harrison Reed and you know it's just all just more of the same really. I mean this is a goalkeeper that holds save of the whole of last season and I think currently holds save of the month for the uh, for one of the save from the save from Nunes from the derby in September. You know I mean this is a man that's been on on top of his game for eighteen months even you know back beyond that, obviously held England to a World Cup semi final winning their first penalty shootout in years on the way. And and then a Euros final as well, in which he saved more penalties, you know, saved enough penalties in that shootout for England to really should have won it. So you know, I mean, there's, there's no debate for me. No one will be that surprised to hear an Everton FC correspondent argue that. But you know, it it feels like Jordan Pickford keeps having to prove himself, but it feels like he keeps doing it on a regular basis. You know, he went, he's had a difficult few games. You know, Everton have in general. Spurs was a difficult place to go. Obviously, it was his mistake that led to the penalty. But, you know, you look around this team, it should, Everton should have been 2-0 up at that point. Obviously, a penalty would have got Tottenham back into the game, but would, might not have been the difference between uh, drawing and, and losing the game. Then you go up to Newcastle. I thought he handled Newcastle really, really well. Obviously, Everton didn't play very well in that game. We've gone over that, but, you know, it's as hostile an atmosphere as Jordan Pickford's ever going to get, you know, being a Sunderland lad and, you know, we all looked up around, you know, it was me and Chris Beasley at that game, up around the stands and you've got the inflatable dinosaurs everywhere because of that jibe and things like that. And it, he put in a really mature performance and, it, you know, it's clear that, you know, over the past, under Lampard, Jordan Pickford has, has been, you know, arguably the best goalkeeper in the league or one of them. Not only that, he's emerged as a real leader. You know, I, I'm not sure that I would have classed Jordan Pickford as a dressing room leader a year ago. 
But under Lampard, he's gone from strength to strength. Lampard was the first manager to ever give him the captain's armband in a senior game when he did it for the Burnley game last year. And obviously, he, he stuck with him at the beginning of this season when Coleman was injured. It was Pickford who got the armband when Coleman went off on, on Saturday as well. You know, it, it's clear that for all the jibes around, for all the jeers, for all the people that want to do him down, he's actually in a really, really good place at the minute, not just on the pitch, but in his own head and in the dressing room. And, you know, I think Evan have got a lot to be not necessarily grateful for, but, you know, that was another point on, you know, they, you know goals win games, but, you know, saves stop Everton from losing them as well. And and that was, that was another, if, if you could do, I, I see this attacking wise, where they say about how, you know, how many, points the strikers goals have earned the team over a season you know if you're doing a similar accumulation for for goalkeepers then that was another point that should go squarely to to jordan pickford on on saturday because without him i think everton would have lost that the royal blue podcast from the liverpool echo ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Matt, I mean, I lose this in my piece for on, on the whistle on Saturday, but you know, obviously, there's a lot of love for Jordan Pickford in and around Goodison Park and, and all Merseyside, but away from Goodison Park, and there seems to be a real source of strange hate towards the Everton goalkeeper. You know, one Fulham fan took exception on Saturday and shouted something to him as he walked on the pitch, which he thankfully proved he was anything but. But there is a real strange, strange sense, isn't there, around football? And, you know, people kind of got in for Jordan Pickford and they kind of have a lot of strange feelings and motives towards the Everton goalkeeper that are just simply not true. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I found it very strange for a long time now. I think probably a lot of it's to do with the fact that he's a little bit of an orthodox character, maybe not like a traditional sort of modern-day footballer. You know, maybe the fact the way which he acts on the pitch sometimes a little bit differently, the way he speaks a little bit differently. You know, I think that's got something to do with it as well. But without wanting to delve into the England thing too much, I, I always find it mad there's, there's this sort of clamour to get him out the side because for me, he's, he's a modern-day England great. You know, as Joe mentioned there, in the sense of taking the team almost single-handedly to a World Cup semi-final, one of the best players in the, the European Championship last summer, saved two penalties in a shootout. You know, if Bakayo Saka sticks that penalty away after that and then whoever takes the next one for Italy misses and then Pickford scores the winner, which he was going to take the next penalty. Imagine how high esteem he would have been held mm. in there if, if events had gone a little bit different. But from an Everton perspective, which is, you know, what, what we all ultimately care about here, he's, he just seems a, a lot more centred and, you know, a lot more mature now. And I think that's something that's naturally going to happen with age. But I think it's something he's clearly worked on as well. I think he spoke about it a lot after what happened in regards to the, the Virgil van Dijk tackle and the way in which the sort of a, you know, a witch hunt around him then. I think something that Carlo Angelotti started helping him with a lot and he's sort of taken it on himself and has clearly gone on further under Frank Lampard. Um, there were times with Pickford early in his Everton career when he wasn't playing well, but, you know, every time he made a mistake, it would be highlighted and talked about and talked about and you know he, he did go through a, a difficult spell there but I think what's sort of interesting about what Joe mentioned there and that mistake at Tottenham is that he's got so much credit in the bank now because he's been so consistent for so long that 
when that mistake happened against Tottenham, I think Evertonian sort of went, yeah, made a mistake, but he's been so good for so long. And it's not this huge thing anymore every time he does a, a little bit of an error. And the fact that since that game, he's been able to put it behind him, you know, two clean sheets in, in succession and just be really solid, I think is testament to him. And, you know, the, these sorts of double saves, I think, are, are really interesting as well. You know, you think back to the, the, the one against Chelsea at the end of last season and obviously the one at the, at the weekend. You know, at, at times when he was on the pitch, he'd made a save. He, he'd get himself worked up. But you could almost see the gears sort of going in his head still. And he, he didn't really seem to be focused on the job at hand. And, and while he still does that every now and then, he seems to be better now, just right, making the save. He's pumped up for a little bit, but then he switches straight on to the danger again. He did that in that Chelsea game, obviously, where he makes the two saves and then the shot hits his face afterwards from uh, Rudiger, I think it was. And then at the weekend, he makes that really good save from William that Joe mentioned there. And then he switched on again for the corner straight afterwards to, to tip that over. And yeah, he's just he's playing out of his skin at the moment, isn't he? He seems to be in a great place in terms of his own um, personality and you know, his mental health. On the pitch, he's playing fantastically well. He's a leader. He's an elite goalkeeper. And yeah, just 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 made up of him at the moment. And yeah, there's going to be a lot of talk about him over the next few weeks, isn't there? From an England perspective, but from everything Everton, he's, he's doing all we can ask for, really, I think. Joel, I think it was interesting, wasn't it, with Pickford, because me and you were both in Frank Lampard's post-match press conference on Saturday night. And he was very quick to name-check Alan Kelly, wasn't he? He's one of the, you know, the key figures behind Pickford's kind of improvements and, and much more settled approach and it's interesting isn't it? because the, you know Frank Lampard gets a lot of praise but there's a team behind Frank Lampard who are also kind of working ones at the club and, and doing their bit to make sure they have it in a, a better moving forward yeah it seems that the um the dressing room culture is really strong there it seems like they've got you know a, a strong core of um of coaches there to help obviously we saw or a lot of people were seeing the picture of the, the, the Chelsea unit is effectively that's where they all knew each, know each other from Lampard, Cole, Clement and Edwards and, and Chris Jones I think was there all at Blood Brothers <laughs> last last week but yeah there, there are others there as well like Alan Kelly and it's clear that everybody feels like everybody's playing a role um, you know obviously we can see that the vast improvement at set piece at least from defending set pieces that Everton have got this season and we know that Ashley Cole is, is largely behind that you know we know that obviously Probably the most improved player of Everton at the minute is is Alex Awobi. He's had a wonderful season, and although although a lot of the headlines around that and his improvement focus on Frank Lampard's impact, when you speak to Frank kind of in private, he's very keen to to push the role that Joe Edwards, his, um, assistant manager, has had with with Awobi and helping Awobi kind of come out of his shell on the pitch, um, as, as it were. And then again on on Saturday we had Alan Kelly's. They mentioned you know it's. No surprise, really, that goalkeepers are closest to the goalkeeping coaches. And, um, you know, he said that Lampard said that Kelly had been a, a good sounding board for, for Pickford over the years. And I think that, you know, it's clear that they have a good relationship and it's clear that, uh, you know, Pickford has developed, he's, he's matured a lot, I think, over the past 12 months. And, you know, for, for all his goalkeeping ability, you know, that, that kind of psychological improvement as well, it's... It's it's highly likely that Alan Kelly's had a role in that, and you know it's it's good to see that Lampard's happy to name check him in relation to it. Matt, in terms of you know two more players who I think a lot of Everton fans, or I think most Everton fans, have fell in love with, it's James Harkowski and Connor Cody. Obviously, you know they both brought in in the summer, but it feels like they've been playing for Everton forever, doesn't it? And a pair of them have just you know I was fortunate to speak to James Harkowski myself after the game, and he couldn't have been any more glowing in terms of his praise for Connor Cody and playing alongside him. 
but the two of them have just been absolutely instrumental and in helping Everton get over the line in these games where they have been back to the wall. They've had to do a lot of defending, digging deep. It feels like them two are just blocking every shot, doing all they can to make sure that their side get over the line and they come away with something, if not all three points, but something for their, for their hard work. Oh, yeah. You know, those two sort of epitomise that bend but don't break mentality that, that I mentioned earlier. And you sort of get the, the impression that they would have enjoyed the game on, on Saturday privately more than the 3-0 win over, <laughs> over Crystal Palace, wasn't it? Which is all about, you know, scoring beautiful goals and lovely flicks and tricks and, and intricate passing moves. Whereas at the weekend, it was right. You've got a six-foot-five brute of a centre-forward to deal with and you're going to have to block and tackle everything that moves. And, you know, that, that's that's what they've been been at for a long time. And, you know, that I think it's it, it's testament to both of them, actually, that they've just sort of been flung together in as a defensive partnership and they've, they've looked so at ease straight away together. And it's not just that as well. You know, for, for a long part of the season, they've had two young fullbacks. You know, let's not forget, Nathan Patterson hadn't played in the Premier League till week one of this season. Mikolenko is still new to the league as well. And, and that defence has sort of been cobbled together by, by four lads that weren't even at the football club on the 1st of January. And all of a sudden, you know, they're all playing together. And I think it's mainly because of those two. You know, Mikolenko and Patterson have done well as well, don't get me wrong. But those two sort of feel like they've been the glue that, that's knitted it all together. And I think as much as we always put them in this, this box together as, you know, same age, same nationality, same sort of career, I think they are quite different in the way in which they play as well. And they have got different characteristics which complement each other quite well. I mean, that's something that Tarkovsky spoke about in, in the piece that, that you've done today, Connor, in the sense that, you know, he thinks he's a bit more physical than, than Cody. And he's, you know, more willing to go and win headers and, you know, block shots, whereas Cody's maybe someone who reads the game a little bit, is a bit more right place at the right time, a bit, you know, a bit less, you know, proactive in his defending. But so I think they, they work quite well as a duo. And, and yeah, you know, talking about, about culture and, and all those things that have gone on at the football club, it feels like those two have come in and, and up, you know, had a huge uplift on that. And, you know, you can, you can see, you know, I, I sit in the Goddard Street and you can hear in Conoco, this case, the uh, the impact that he has on the players around him. And, you know, every time there's been an interview or anything done with another Everton player this season, it feels like they've gone out the way to sort of name check the influence that they've had. Frank Lampard has obviously spoken in glowing terms about them both as well. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's a great testament to both of them the way in which they've come in and just just steady things down straight away. I think that was a big thing, wasn't it, Joe on Saturday? Because obviously you know Tarkovsky lost it, lose to himself, but he, he actually described which is just aggressive. You know, he said he's an aggressive centre forward. You know, he's got really strong physicality, and that was the thing, wasn't it? And you know, even though they kind of had chances for them, they never really had clear cut chances in the sense of you, you thought, oh, you know, they've been undone there, Everton, and they've been Cozy and Tarkovsky being caught out. They actually dealt with. When you consider, you know, which which has formed so far this season, probably that with the Serbian in the best play we've seen in the Premier League so far this season. Yeah, they did. Although one of the things I thought was really interesting was that it was Alex Awobi who was marking him at corners. Um, I, which, 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 which kind of, I've got absolutely no idea what the thought process is is there. Like I thought it would have been Cody or Tarkovsky. <laughs> if not one of them, I could maybe understand the case for you know, Calvert Luna or Inanna due to their size. Strength themselves, but yeah, I like But in fairness, where we did it, obviously, yeah, Mitrovic had the header that Pickford produced a great save from. But other than that, I think film went into double figures for corners, and, and Mitrovic didn't really um, get a decent effort on target again. But yeah, you know, they're 
yeah, they, they're just a, a, a great partnership, aren't they? they, they they're just, the, if anything embodies this new look Everton side, it seems to be that relationship between Tarkovsky and Cody, you know, two good, honest, strong professionals that clearly love the game, you know, well organised, put their bodies on the line and, 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 and enjoy it, having a good time as well. You see it in the training videos, you see it in, in the interviews, you see everything. It's like, it feels like, they're both happy to be at Everton at the minute and it seems that they command an awful lot of respect from everybody, not just their teammates, but also the coaching staff, obviously the likes of Lampard and that as well. And Everton are clearly in a, in a much better place for it. And, and you're right about the chances. Obviously, you know, I think 24 efforts on goal, full and, full and mustard on, on Saturday. But really the only two that tested Pickford properly were those two in quick succession, the Williams shot and the, and the Mitrovic header. Beyond that, a lot of people keep talking about the amount of chances and shots Everton are conceding, uh, almost as a stick to beat this Everton side around around the, the Edwith. You know, as in oh, you know, the XG is higher and, and they're conceding so many shots that eventually everything's going to collapse. They're not actually defending that well. You know, things are going to turn and they're going to start getting hammered week in week out, or at least, or they're, they're lucky to still be in games when they should have been put away. But I think not. When people look at those numbers, I don't think people are looking at, and looking at them enough in enough context. And what this defence is, all right, it might not be brilliant at stopping attempts on goal, but it's very difficult. It's very sorry, it's very good at making those efforts harder to execute for for the attacking side. It's very good at you know just forcing them that extra yard wider so that Pickford's got a, you know a better chance to save it. Very good at just. You know, leaning in on someone, they're about to head us, all of a sudden it's much harder to get the header on target. You know, they're very good at just you know throwing a block in the way and preventing a clear strike on goal. Basically, doing all the things that they can do. So if they can't stop the shot on the shot in the first place, what they can do is they can massively bring down the probability of it going in. And I think that's what Cody and Tarkovsky, and we saw this a bit from Mikalenko um, at, at, at the weekend. I think that's what they're very, very good at doing. They're very, very good at reducing the risk of the shots that are happening at Everton's goal because of all the hard work they're doing and because of their bravery, because of their courage and because of their streetwise as well. And I think you know, being streetwise is something that you know, there's a lot more of that in this Everton side this, this season compared to last. It doesn't. The game management still, still leaves a lot to be desired. I think we saw that you know, probably before the international break, particularly in the games where Everton would take the lead and then they'd almost fall back within themselves rather than control or command the game. And eventually, you know, in, as was the case with Brentford, as was the case with with Leeds, you know, they they concede and and and, and they they'd suffer as, as a result. But this Everton side does feel a lot more streetwise than it has done in in recent years, and, and I think that can only be a good thing as well. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Matt, you know, Joe mentioned him there, but Mikalenko, you know, Frank Lampard and Tarkovsky were, 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 were big to praise him for his performance after the game. 
And he's someone who kind of gone under the radar a little bit, isn't he? Because he's a bit of an unsung hero, obviously. You know, maybe not the most adventurous left-back the club has certainly seen. But he's someone who's improving. He seems to be getting better and better, doesn't he, the past week? Yeah, I mean, def- defensively, there's, there's nothing to worry about, is there, with him? You know, you never really look at him. And, you know, I can't think of many times in his short Everton career so far where you could say a wing has got the better of him. And, you know, he's come up against Mo Salah twice in, in that time as well. So... He's played against some of the, the best wide players in this league and, and he's been absolutely outstanding against them from his defensive point of view. And yeah, I think I think the fact that he sort of got under the radar again is is another testament to him, you know, to, to come into and you know take away all the, the context of what's going on for him personally and, and back home in Ukraine. Just just as a twenty-two-year-old footballer coming from the Ukrainian league into the Premier League midway through a season into a into a struggling side. And let's not forget as well, got off to a a relatively ropey start, you know, in those first two games against Hull and Norwich City. Um, you know, let's not forget as well, Frank Lampard played John Joe Kenny ahead of him in his, mm. in his first game at Goodison Park in the Premier League against Leeds. So it wasn't a, an easy start for him, but he's, he's come into the team and, and just, just solidified that, that position. I think obviously there's room for him to improve, isn't there? The, the game at, at the weekend and maybe away games in general, to a degree suit him because he can stay tucked into the centre-backs. He gets into one-on-one duels with, with wingers and he, he tends to win them because he's a great athlete and he senses danger really well. I think where, where there's development to do in his game is you want to see more performances potentially like what we saw against Crystal Palace the week before where he was a bit more adventurous, he was able to get forward. Um, potentially want to see him take a little bit more care on the ball in, in the final third and maybe be a, a little bit more adventurous from that point of view as well. But I don't really think there's any opportunity for him to do that at the weekend. It was a back-to-the-wall second half. It was a performance where the ball kept coming back to everything because he didn't really have a, a valve in attack to, to relieve that, that full and pressure. And it was relentless down, down both flanks, really, where they tried to overload us. And, and, he, and he dealt with his man a lot better, I think, than the Seamus Coleman and, and Nathan Patterson did on, on the other side. So, yeah, real, real credit to him. He's just a player now. You see his name on the team. She's even yeah, Don't really have to worry about us getting getting done down our left hand side. We're going to be pretty solid down there. Um, so yeah, great credit to him. He, he looks like a a proper Premier League left back now. Joe, there, there was one you know boost for the Blues, wasn't he on on Saturday or major boost? And that was the return Nathan Patterson. He come on, I think just just after the hour mark, and it was a uh, great to discuss international back because he was being sorely missed. Although James Coleman's done really well, it can't be you know his energy has been missed on that right flank. Yeah, Coleman did really well against Southampton his first game. Obviously, he was excellent against Crystal Palace. You know, he's done okay in the other games. Perhaps that hasn't excelled, but he's done okay. Um, I think in that run of three defeats, I thought we saw. <coughs> excuse me. I think we. I think we saw the value of Patterson because it just Coleman being there just led to a slight reconfiguration aside. I think. I think you just saw. The Wobi kind of being utilised in a slightly different place in centre midfield, just to try and help give Coleman that extra bit of cover. And and whilst um, you know it made Everton a little bit stronger defensively going forward, it, it really it really weakened them. And um, the other thing that it, it, it did as well is obviously Coleman's not quite as ambitious going forward as Patterson for so long in the, the first part of the season. Coleman, uh, sorry, uh, Patterson was an outlet. You know, you see, he was always looking to exploit that space in front of him. And if the ball's over on the left-hand side of the pitch, and he's got twenty yards to run for, he will cross the halfway line. He will get into a position that, you know, quite often what it is is it's um, 
James Tarkovsky on the left of the two, playing the the, the rake in diagonal to switch play and just relieve the pressure and potentially start a, an, an attacking move. And I think Everton really missed that against against Man United, against Tottenham, against Newcastle as well. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see whether or not Patterson kind of forces his way back into the side pre-World Cup. Obviously, he's coming back from his injury. You know, Coleman's doing well and it is settled in that side. And, and, and there's only, I mean, if you take the League Cup game out, there's only two games left. But I imagine that kind of post-World Cup, Patterson will probably start the the post-Christmas run of fixtures as the first choice right back, I should think. You know, he, he has been missed, I think. Yeah, in fairness to Coleman and Patterson as well, you know, I, I thought William was this sort of comedy figure after he'd been to Arsenal and he played like Prime Bernardino at the weekend. And Anthony <laughs> Robinson was surprised. Yeah, and Anthony Robinson was playing like Roberto Carlos. So <laughs> I think anyone would have struggled against that, that Fulham left side at the weekend because they were, uh, they, yeah, they were pretty hot down that left, left flank. Before we finish, Matt, I'll stick with you because a former Everett manager has been saying some very interesting things, I think. Today, well, it's quite today, so it, it might not have been done. It, a recent interview, I, I, I would suggest. But Rafa Benitez has, has been speaking to the Italian media and he's been talking about Bart Everton, which he likes to do nowadays. And he's claimed that the excessively brilliant start to the championship deluded the environment of the club when looking back on his time at Everton. I mean, not for the first time, he's been he's wise of the mark there, isn't he? Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's um. <laughs> Yeah, you, you just you just you just see, don't you? Pop up on on your Twitter feed or on your news now. Rafael Benitez talks about his time at Everton. You think, oh no, here, here we go again. Another Everton manager that's going to rewrite history. Um, you know, you, you mentioned just the word deluded there, and I think it's very applicable to, to to what he has to say, really. And you know, he says he says at the end of the piece that Everton were never more than six points away from the relegation zone. Um, so he never fewer than six points away from the relegation zone under his tenure, but. You know, put yourself back in that position which the, the football club were in in January, and after that, that Norwich defeat, it was it was a downward spiral, and it was only going to end in one way. Um, you know, I, I'll never forget him playing Salomon Rondon as a number ten in that game. That's that's going to be for my forever lasting memory of Rafael Benitez. And I think any manager that does that is um, is you know got a lot to answer for. But you know, the way things are going anyway for for the Reds across the park, they might be in need of a manager soon. So maybe he can come in and do a job uh, at Anfield again. Yeah, I think based on his Everton tenure, I'll be all for. In terms of Rafael matches quickly, you know, considering he spent so you know little time at the club, it's amazing how much he's got to talk about, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's the same with quite a lot of our former managers, isn't it? Really, yeah. you don't spend long on his side, but you've got an awful lot to say and an awful lot to look back on. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But it's just you know, it's, the thing that I was expecting from Benitez when he came in was that this was going to be not going to be enjoyable, but you're going to be absolutely fine. You're going to be defensively robust. You might have injuries and players missing, but you know you'll you'll muddle through until the end of the season. And you just think back to some of those performances. You know, it was very recently the anniversary of the the Watford five two game, wasn't it? You know, I've never seen an Everton performance quite like that from a defensive standpoint. So. So no, I think, like you said, like you said, Connor, he's, he's just so wide to the mark, and you know he's done a couple of these recently, hasn't he? So maybe he's, he's had his break a little bit now. He's getting itchy feet at home and thinking, right, I need to get out there and, and get another job. So how can I re- reframe this Everton tenure in the most positive way possible for myself? Um, you do want to with Sky the other week, didn't he? But no one's taking the plunge on it from the Premier League. So this one was with Italy, wasn't it? I think it was with an it was, Italian yeah. publication, yeah. So maybe he quite fancies heading back to Italy for for a job there in the future. 
There was, there was one line, Joe, just very quickly, that, that caught my eye was, um, the team is totally different from the one I coached with what Rafa finished with. And I think for the sake of other Evertonians, that's only a good thing, isn't it? That it's a totally different team to the one that we saw under the Spaniards this time last year. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Of course it is. You know, I think... Um... Yeah, I mean, we're getting plenty of column inches out of what Rafa Benitez has got to say about his time at Everton. But, um, you know, how much merit there is in what he's saying, I don't think there is much at all, is it? I mean, it really is a case of rose-tinted spectacles on his on his own um, value to Everton and his role here, isn't he? I mean, forgetting some of those uh, you know, absolutely awful run of form that preceded his departure. You know, I think uh, you see quite a lot of people that are almost trying to use, you know, use it to undermine... Frank Lampard's achievements, but you know, when Frank Lampard took over at Everton, Everton were they were in a relegation death spiral. You know, it was always and it was always going to get worse before it got better because there was always going to be a, a, a take a few kind of weeks to try or even months to try and you know change the culture, change the atmosphere, pick people up psychologically as well as deal with the injuries and that as well. So, you know, I think uh, I think I think Everton are better off in this situation, aren't they? So. I think it's a situation none of us ever want to return to again, to be, no. <laughs> to be quite frank. <laughs> but, gents, I think we've chewed the fat enough there for Everton over the last 45 minutes or so. But, of course, we'll be back on Friday to preview Everton's upcoming Premier League clash with Leicester City as the Blues return to Goodison Park and play their final game at Goodison before the World Cup break. And we'll also look back on Frank Lampard's press conferences and digest all the latest news coming from the club. But for today... Joe, Matt, thank you very much for joining me. You've been listening to the Roblox Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.